You're listening to the Improve Photography Podcast. This episode is brought to you by ImprovePhotographyPlus.com. I'm running a pretty cool opportunity for those of you who are new to Improve Photography Plus this month. If you subscribe to ImprovePhotographyPlus.com anytime before the end of January, I'm offering a free portfolio review personally that I'm going to do for you. So all you have to do is go sign up for Improve Photography Plus and become a member, and then just send us an email to info at ImprovePhotography.com, and uh, we'll I'll send you the info on getting a free portfolio review from me. And if you're an existing member, thank you for your subscription. I have an upcoming day in the next couple weeks where I will be doing portfolio reviews live for you guys. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Hey everybody and welcome back to the show for this week. I'm your host Jim Harmer and today I am excited to be talking with one of the listeners of Improved Photography. As I've mentioned for the last several episodes, uh, we're kind of doing an ongoing series. You're going to hear these episodes trickling in of interviews with people who listen to the Improved Photography podcast who are just doing really cool work in photography. Um, and if you are interested in, in being in that group, you can email us at podcast at improvephotography.com and just tell us a little bit about you. Um, but today I have uh, one of the listeners on the show, Matt Meisenheimer, who is a landscape photographer uh, and who's doing some really, really impressive work. Uh, I looked at, uh, at his website and immediately I was like, oh yeah, of course we need this guy on, uh, doing some great stuff. Um, and he's not doing photography full time. Uh, and so, Matt, I'm excited to to talk to you and and hear a little bit of, of your story and how um, how you've progressed to the point that you have in photography and share some of the tips that you're learning. Yeah, that sounds great, and I really appreciate being on. I'm a, I really enjoy what you're doing with the uh, with the podcast and just the site in general. So I really appreciate it, and I'm I'm looking forward to chatting too. Awesome. Well, Matt, how did you uh, how did you first fall in love with photography? Well, what drew you to it? Yeah, sure. So um, I live in Wisconsin, and it's not the most scenic area in, of the U.S. I haven't uh, been to Wisconsin. What's it like? <laughs> it's so the southern portion of Wisconsin is very flat. Uh, it's really not that exciting. Northern Wisconsin, though, is is very nice. It's uh, in in area northern Wisconsin actually is is one of the highest densities of of, of lakes, and uh, really great place. There's some state forests up there really pretty but you know i'm just drawn to the diversity of the uh, western portion i think of the u.s like i mean you can get deserts mountains still awesome forests and lakes and uh you know a lot of those things can be within an hour or so drive so that's really what pulls me to the west uh i, I like wisconsin though it, it is home for me but when it comes to photography i mean I really just don't get inspired by it. There, there's nothing like, you know, being in, you know, just, you know, being in uh, somewhere like the, the Northwest where, you know, I could drive to Rainier, drive to the Gorge, you know, maybe I want to go shoot, uh, shoot a ski seascape that day. So that, that's really what I like about out, out West, but it, you know, it, it, it's home for me. So, um, so I, you know, what, yeah, what's that like, you know, living in a place where you feel constrained making images 
um, for whatever reason, whether it's warranted or not. Uh, yeah. A lot of us feel that way. Whether it's warranted or not, a lot of us feel that way. Uh, so, yeah. so what is it like? Do you feel like, you know, do you just get the travel bug and you just go shoot a couple major times a year in other places? Or do you still find yourself shooting near home? A- absolutely. So right now, I get about three weeks a year where I'm taking a trip. And uh, man, in between that, I really do get the travel bug. It, it's hard. I spend almost all my time either looking at locations or looking uh, looking at pictures of, of spots. And it, it is really tough. I mean, I remember this summer, I saw some awesome like Milky Way stuff and awesome wildflower stuff coming from the Northwest and other areas. And uh, I really wanted to be out there, but I knew I wasn't going to be taking another trip until fall. So it, it's really hard. And like I said, I just I don't get that inspired by stuff around here. I know, you know, there are definitely shots here, but if you're not inspired to do it, then you know, I, I'm not. I don't think I'm going to get something that's you know super high quality, which is what I'm looking for. So really, I'm uh, the majority of my shooting is packed into these you know, seven, 10 day trips throughout the year where, where I'm going somewhere. Uh, and that's not to say, you know, I, I go up, like I said, I go up North and Northern Wisconsin and I, and I fish and, and, and canoe and stuff like that. And it's beautiful to me, but I just never really inspired to get the camera out. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but that's just kind of, you know, where I'm at. It could be, you know, that, uh, just, just, you know, this is home for me in being here and I'm just kind of so like used to it. And then when I go somewhere, you know, like into the mountains or something like that, I'm like, whoa, this is, this is awesome. Like it's, you know, it's something new. So that could be the allure too, but I really don't, don't shoot much around here. It's, it's all my trip planning is, you know, to (laughs) exotic locations and in out West pretty much. Yeah, you know, I, I wish I could say different than that, but I, I really, I the same thing happens to me. Um, and that's one thing that I think I kind of miss when I'm not doing more portrait photography is that because portrait you don't have to travel anywhere to do portrait right. photography. Um, yeah. uh, but, but with landscapes, um, it, it's not that you can't shoot near home, and there are good photos to be made anywhere in the world. Uh, yeah, but sometimes right. it's, you know, it's difficult to get excited about the Boise foothills when I mm-hmm. know in three weeks I'm going to Iceland, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's just exactly. So, and I bet, I bet if I was out there, I'd be like, man, I can't wait to shoot the, uh, the those Boise foothills. And yeah, you'd bring probably on the really sagebrush, like, baby. <laughs> yeah, and you'd, you'd probably like love fall in northern Wisconsin too. So it could be something like that. But yeah, I, I spent a lot of time fantasizing about, about living out west. I, I can't lie, but um, All right, so so you, step us back yeah, then. Walk us to the point where uh, to the to here. How did you first get started in photography, um, and and when did you uh, first kind of start to to take it more seriously? Yeah, so I was thinking back, and uh, it was actually in middle school. I took a graphics design course, and somehow we were we were screwing around on Photoshop and, and stuff like that. And I remember running across Flickr, and that's when Flickr was really popular. And I saw all these, you know, HDR images and these pink sunrises and, and all these crazy photos. And I kind of got obsessed on there. And that kind of led me into this obsession with backpacking because I, I'd like go on these guys' website and I'd see that they're, you know, they're either backpacking in the mountains or they're, they're gone like um, three months traveling somewhere. 
And I remember I'd send him emails like, you know, how do you guys do this? Like, and I really got obsessed with backpacking because it's so foreign to me. Like that just doesn't happen in Wisconsin. So I was like, man, I got to get into this. And uh, that kind of faded, but I, I still went on Flickr and, you know, it was, it was always deep inside of me, but I was very busy when I was younger. I, I you know, I, I played a lot of sports and that was kind of the focus of my life. And one point in college, I just, it, it was kind of, I was done playing sports and I really thought about what I wanted to do. And I realized, you know, I've never been out West before. So I talked to my parents and we put together a little family trip out to Grand Teton National Park in Yellowstone. Oh, I love Grand Teton. Yeah, Yellowstone gets all the attention, but Grand Teton yeah. is fantastic. I'm not a huge fan of Yellowstone, but I will say I haven't spent much time there with, you know, actually looking for compositions and landscape stuff but grand teton is awesome i can't wait to go back there yeah even yellowstone um, i think i think yellowstone gets so much attention for the animals Um, yeah for sure i mean there are obviously animals in in grand teton as well but there there's a higher concentration of the more interesting things you know the wolf packs and stuff in yellowstone as well as the crazy geological features that are easy to see but grand teton has so much just hidden beauty of mountains and trees and uh it's awesome yeah, and I would actually really like to kind of check out like the Lamar Valley area in winter in Yellowstone. I think that would be really cool. Oh, I've done um, that trip three times. It's it's awesome. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. But yeah, Grand Teton and even uh, the Wind River Range, those are two that I'm I'm itching to get back out to. But we had a you know it wasn't it wasn't crazy. We didn't. I, I hiked a little with uh, with my mom at the time, and we didn't do anything crazy. There was no, you know, backpacking or anything like that, but it really, uh, really got me hooked into just that, that lifestyle kind of, and I came back, uh, I was still in college. I was actually a business major and I was like, I don't want to do that. I, I got to do something that gets me outside. So I switched environmental science. Now this was like my junior year of college or something. So it was a big switch, but I worked through that and, uh, I got hooked up with a little, like internship and uh i worked i worked on a site at a lodge too at denali national park and that was a huge i mean going from wisconsin to alaska that was that was that was really wild but it was in one of the best summers i've ever had just great people i bought a little it was like a cannon power shot and i actually i hacked it so it could it could bracket exposures i remember messing around with hdr stuff but i brought it up there and i had like this flimsy $20 $20 tripod and I went on my first backpack up there I'd been like accumulating gear forever and wasn't really prepared but I started I just went for it and started doing it and really got into backpacking then and hiking um, some of that stuff the camera stuff was you know I was messing around with it but it was more doc like documenting a trip and things like that so got done with that amazing summer came back and another another year of college and then I got a position at Mount Rainier and this time I was like well there's a lot of awesome stuff I'm gonna bring my car out there and travel a lot I'm gonna get a DSLR so I bought a I think it was a Nikon D5000 but I picked that up and went off on this road trip and that's kind of where it started I started getting up at sunrise and and shooting sunset whenever I could on trips and stuff like that on on little side trips to like Olympic and in North Cascades. Um, but then I came back and it was on the back burner again. I I was kind of, you know, I was in Wisconsin. I was, I was busy getting ready for grad school 
and I, I didn't do much. And then I was actually working with uh, someone I had met up in northern Wisconsin. I was, I was doing some science stuff up there. And we we're actually going to plan a trip to uh, Grand Teton in the winds. And it fell through because, because at the last minute we saw um, flights to Iceland were actually you know, pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. So we just, I think it was like two or three weeks before we, we booked a flight to Iceland oh, and we yeah. did, yeah, it was That's awesome. Did, yeah, it was, it was, it was sweet. So I, I actually bought at that point I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to try and go for it again. So I bought, I went full frame there, I bought a D 800 and, uh, went over there and it wasn't, it wasn't very, my friend is awesome, but he's not a photographer. He's more of a, a hiker. And we went there to kind of do a little backpack in the highlands and then we did the ring road so we saw an amazing things and it was a great trip i didn't shoot that much but that was my first kind of step into full frame um and then when i came back i i ended up uh i was kind of stagnant for a while i was i was in grad school but then i studying in grad school so I was I was doing the same thing, environmental science. I was doing a uh, research project up in Minnesota, um, but I got some free time up there, and I was on Mark Adamus's newsletter, and I saw he released a, a workshop for the Northwest, and I figured, you know, this is one I'm, I'm passionate about. I've heard good things. I'm I'm just gonna try it, and it was it was the 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 best uh, photography experience of my life so far. Yeah, Mark's pretty incredible. Yeah, he he's an he. I mean, everyone sees his work. He's a he's the greatest artist out there in, in landscape photography to me. But he's such a great person too. So I had a great time on that, and it kind of just changed my view on photography. It changed my style. Um, What's something it, specific? What changed? Yeah, just the way my my eye sees. I guess, and you know, Mark Mark's been in the field for. 200 300 days every year for the past 10 or so years i mean he and he's already just such a talented artist he sees everything so it really opened my eye to uh to to composition and composition is kind of this you know this cloudy term you know we all we all know about it but it what really simplifies it for me is in a great composition you know you have a focal point but what makes your composition great is how you take a complex scene or these complex elements and you simplify it and you allow the viewer to have a smooth transition you know from the foreground in your image to the focal point or maybe it's what, you know what maybe do you mean by a, that what do you mean a smooth transition from the foreground to the focal point yeah so if you think about it this like like this let's just say let's say we have a big mountain in the background and we have a you know curvy stream in the foreground so that's a really i mean that's a in photography we call that an s curve uh you know composition right so that that stream is kind of curving into this s into this mountain in the background and that's a really simple example so as the as a viewer looking at that image you're going to first pick up on that stream and your your eye is going to go down that stream and then eventually you're going to lead up to that mountain and the mountain is the focal point in that image. So I really, that, that, again, that's a simple example, but I learned how to kind of process my images and shoot compositions in a way that make that transition smooth. And you can do that in a, in a couple different ways. Um, and contrast has a lot to do with it. So really, if you just 
look into contrast in your image, uh, and that can be color, luminosity, or whatever. Here, but, but here's some examples. So a, a, a big to small transition. So that would be something like, you know, you see all these wildflower shots from Mount Rainier, and you get all these this lupine that's just huge in your frame, and you're using your wide angle, you know, to make that those flowers in the foreground look huge. And you have a really nice transition between those big flowers in the foreground to maybe the you know the smaller peak in the background or still a big peak, but there's a good transition there. Another is so, another is so sorry. Let me let me pause you there to make sure I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So, uh, so okay, I, I can picture what you're just saying. You're saying flowers in the foreground, mountain in the background. Now, the mountain is large. It's, you know, a mountain. Um, right. And the flowers are small. And so if we were to shoot this just uh, wide and standing up, standing height away from the flowers, then the flowers are going to appear puny and the mountain's going to appear big. Uh, but by getting right. down close to them, it makes the flowers a similar size to the mountain. And so it makes the transition from foreground to background more uh sensible. it's easier for the viewer yeah right and, and the eyes the eye is naturally going to go there easier a little more easily i should say but but what you the example you gave that that might still be a great composition you know it would depend on the elements but more likely than not you know the transition would be better but but here's an even better one let's think of like um cool to warm you know naturally the eye is going to go from a cool color to a warmer scene. So another really simple one would be, let's say we're shooting a seascape or something, and uh, you know you have a you have water, you're you're knee deep in the water, the, the the tide's coming in and out, and you have this these really cool leading lines of the tide going out to say a sea stack or something in Oregon, and then in the background you have the sun setting. And let's just say it's just bleeding kind of into the scene from the, the right or left side of the frame and kind of lighting up your 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 uh, your C stack. Well, right there, if I let's say I'm taking that image into Photoshop, right there, I know instantly what I'm going to do. I'm going to the water that's flowing in. I know I'm going to make that cooler, and then I know I'm probably going to warm up the the uh, that that light and kind of work to the light. Now, another thing I could do to make that that transition even stronger is a, a dark to light transition. Wait, sorry, I, I, I'm not trying to interrupt you, but I just want to stop no. to make sure that I, I'm understanding. Yeah, I mean, for sure. The, the sun is always going to be warm, and the water is always going to be blue. So I, right. I, I'm not quite sure what you mean by the... by. I mean, that's just how it is naturally, right? We didn't have yeah, to do anything exactly. to make that and happen. That, that's, why, that's why it's a, a, a great example. That I'm just trying to use a simple example. Um, another one would be... Uh, even, even if we go back to that, let, that flower example, let's say you shoot that and you have, you know, you already have the, the flowers in the foreground, you have the mountain in the background and I'm in Photoshop and I'm thinking, well, what can I do to make this transition easier? Well, one way might be, you know, there's, we have a nice sunset in the background. Maybe I'll, I'll pull up a filter or something like that in the flowers and just cool them down a little. So what that's going to do is that's going to kind of detract the eye from those flowers or getting stuck on those flowers because you want the eye to go to that mountain in your oh, background. Okay. So, so I'm more talking about how to use you know those cool and warm colors to direct the eye through your photo. Okay, that's so interesting. It, I hadn't thought about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's not, not necessarily – obviously, if you know, you're shooting the ocean, your water is going to be – you know, 
you're, you're going to have that, that natural contrast. But this is just something to think about when you're in Photoshop. You know, what, what, when I'm processing an image, I'm always thinking, you know, how can I direct the viewer's eye to either my focal point or the light source? And how can I either aid that transition or make it more natural? So that's a few things I'm, I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of this cool to warm transition, this light to dark transition. So I, I just learned, I guess one of the, the, to sum all this up, one of the things I really think about when I'm in the field is, well, there's two things. I'm visualizing what I'm going to do, you know, in Photoshop, how I'm actually going to, you know, what the final image is going to look like when I'm shooting. I'm also thinking about the viewer, though. I'm thinking about where I want their eye to go in the image and how I can either compose the elements I have or use some of those transitions like cool to warm and things like that to make the viewer's eye go where I want it. And then, you know, maybe in that example I gave you, maybe they're jumping to the mountain. But then in a really good composition, they would maybe float back down to the flowers, check those out a little, and then their eyes roll back up to the mountain. So that's when I find a when I see an image that I really like, it's usually a very complex scene that the photograph or the uh, the artist or the the photographer has done a really good job at simplifying. So although my eyes going to a central point, it's kind of always like circling around like, whoa, look at this waterfall over here and it's leading right into this mountain. Whoa, the mountain. So mm -hmm. that's just, um, you know, it's obviously when we're talking about it, it's a little, it's harder to visualize, but that's just some of the contrast that I'm thinking about when I, when I go into Photoshop. Well, that's very cool. I, I'm interested to uh, dive into this a little bit more. It's, it's definitely spurred a couple questions for me. But before sure. we do that, we want to take just a second and thank our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh, which is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step -step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. With HelloFresh, all the ingredients are delivered right to your door in a recyclable, insulated packaging and come pre-measured and handy labeled meal kits. And HelloFresh offers a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly, including the Classic Plan, which is the one that I tried out, and it has a variety of meat, fish, and seasonal produce, the Veggie Plan, and the Family Plan, which is quick and easy meals that the whole family will love. Better yet, you can choose a delivery day that works best for your busy schedule, and even pause your account for weeks at a time. You won't spend all night in the kitchen with HelloFresh because the recipes only take around 30 minutes to make. Lots of one-pot recipes for seriously speedy cooking and minimal cleanup. Each week, there's a 20-minute meal in the classic menu for when you really don't have time to do more. I tried HelloFresh when the company sent, sent me a package, and I really did enjoy it. We tried a delicious pork recipe that my wife has kept the card for, and we've made quite a few times since then. Uh, it really was uh, uh, fun to cook, just different from how we normally do things. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code IMPROVE30. You talked about uh, taking a workshop with Mark Adamus, um, and I, I guess I want to go back to that experience because you uh, you mentioned that that was kind of a, maybe a turning point for you when you started to take things even more seriously in photography. What what's something that that stood out to you that you learned from that experience? Um, yeah, I would say the big things were what we just discussed. You know, understanding composition and in. in in you know 
some of those contrasts and things like that. Uh, another I, I mentioned really briefly, but I think being able to visualize the entire process uh, from shooting your actual image in the field to post-processing is, is absolutely huge. Because if you don't have a final vision for your image, um, it's just not going to turn out Obviously, it's not going to turn out the way you like, but you're probably not going to have a final image. So um, I'm always thinking about, you know, whether maybe I'm, I'm shooting a panel or like a, like with the example we keep bringing up, maybe I'm, I'm shooting those flowers and I know that, you know, I'm at, I'm at F11 and I know that all those flowers in the foreground are not going to be in focus in a single shot. So I know that I need to take multiple um, you know, basically, I know I'm I'm gonna have to focal blend these flowers in Photoshop. So I'm always thinking about that. Even if it's, let's say, I'm taking a a panel of a a huge landscape or something, I know that I'm gonna have to overlap those images. I know I'm gonna have to stitch them. So I'm always thinking about that. Uh, things like that. So that that was big because I think uh, you should always have something in mind when you're out in the field shooting. I I think that's good. Um, another was to kind of just being your 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 own person and finding your own artistic way and i was having i was struggling with that before the trip i think because i would spend so much time in wisconsin looking at all these great photographers images and being like wow i want a shot like that and i still do that you know i, I and i still will go and like take those shots just to have my own rendition but mark really opened up my eyes to kind of finding my own way in the importance of uh, of kind of creating something uh, yourself. Does and I will that mean say the when, locations you're shooting, or the post processing, or how does that? Yeah, yeah. What does even, that look like? Even um, you know, I guess a you know term would just be well, well, like going after other people's compositions and stuff like that. Uh, you know, seeing a shot and then going out and being like, well, you know, I'm I'm just gonna go here and take that same exact shot. And I think that's something, I mean, I've done that, and I know others have done that. But after this, I kind of wanted to to be my own, you know, my own artist and kind of see where things go, experiment with things. And it feels so much better when you, you know, you take a quality image that was your composition that you found at maybe a new location or something like that. So um, I really got interested. I, I don't know if that, that came from Mark. Uh, I'm sure it rubbed off on me, but kind of after that, uh, that's really where I wanted to take my my photography, kind of finding either new locations or going to locations that are shot a lot and finding a unique composition. Um, so so those were the, the the three big things I think: understanding the elements of composition, being able to visualize what I'm going to do from field to final image, and then becoming you know my own my own artist, having my own creative vision. Mm-hmm. I know one thing that Mark does different than a lot of people is his post-processing. He's not really the kind of guy that has, you know, a hundred different layers stacked up. Um, and that's something that really resonates with me. I've, um, I really love compositing images sometimes where I'll put, you know, uh, a whole bunch of different, uh, areas together and make something cool. But generally when I'm post-processing, post-processing, especially a landscape, I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, a one or two layer thing. I, I, sometimes get into luminosity mass but not that much really um it's just a lot uh 
simpler of a process than I think some people. And, and that really resonates with me that, that that's something that he does. Um, is that something that, that uh, you took from him? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, so I, I have, well, before I, I, I went out with Mark, I was using luminosity mass and kind of processing how everyone else does. And uh, that works for everyone else. Uh, for me, I was just, it was kind of slow and I'm not a very patient person. So I, I just wanted to go faster uh, and wanted to have more control. So I've kind of picked up on things Mark does and things uh, others are doing. And I kind of just blended it into my own little thing. A lot of it is based on on what Mark does, but basically, I don't I don't use any layers. I will I do use selections once in a while. I really don't use luminosity selections much. But uh, and is this in Lightroom I, or Photoshop? Uh, in Photoshop, I really don't do much in terms of uh, adjustments in Lightroom. I do a little tonal, uh, little tonal adjustments. I do a lot of a lot of color adjustments in terms of saturation in Lightroom, and then I really don't do any any of that in in Photoshop in terms of saturation. So, um, I but but I, I I go into Photoshop with a very bland kind of flat looking image, and then uh, I kind of build the light from there in Photoshop. So usually whatever I take into Photoshop from Lightroom looks completely different. And uh, sometimes I'm amazed at it because I, I bring it in and I go back and look at the original and I'm like, wow, it, it's, it really is amazing what you can get out some, get out some of these uh, files of these, you know, these high res cameras these days. It's crazy. But, but anyways, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not using any layers or anything like that. Uh, I kind of just painting on, adjustments from one image to the other and I really like that because uh, you know say I want to make a color adjustment and I want to make a you know I want to increase I'm going to throw a curves adjustment on too and then you know maybe make another color adjustment and then I'm going to bring up the shadows a little I can do all that on a duplicate and then kind of just paint it into the original so it's 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 kind of intuitive to me, but I, again, I don't have any layers. My file size is really small, and I'm I'm able to process much faster than before. It doesn't really get me anywhere because I end up uh, I end up just trashing a lot of images because I don't like them after I process them. But it's nice because I'm not waiting, you know, two or three minutes for my selection to load, and I kind of have a slower computer. So I, I really like the the process I've I've come up with. Uh, well, that I'm, that I'm using. I will say though, it is uh, it's not very clean because I'm not making pre- precise selections. So sometimes it is it it's not as good as it could be or as a, as precise. But that's kind of just a trade off for me, and and I really like this method. So it's uh, it's what I've stuck with. Awesome. Um, I definitely understand what you mean about working with uh, slower computers and being frustrated with uh, uh, with that. Something we've talked about a lot. I just bought today the iMac Pro. I don't know. Have you checked it out? I have. Oh my goodness! Awesome, that thing man. looks crazy. It looks crazy. Yeah. <laughs> looks- I, and and I I uh, I really like I, I I like that stuff a lot too. I actually built. I'm on a, a PC desktop, but I actually built a computer just for editing, oh, and nice. it, it's good for what I like. But yeah, I always look at uh, those iMacs, and I was actually looking at some of those Dell uh, 
XPS like 4K uh, laptops too. They're they they're really powerful too. They they look awesome. But uh, yeah, I needed I'm, something better for video. I was just crawling. Uh, yeah. And so I for for editing video specifically. Um, and so I thought, well, maybe I've got to go back to a PC. Oh, I can't do it. And yeah, so I mean, I like looked just... at I looked at making a Hackintosh, and I thought, oh boy, I don't know. Run now. Uh, it's I just, <laughs> it's outside my my comfort zone. And then they came out with that. And there's no way I was going to buy the thirteen thousand dollar version. That's insane. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask if you but just I, went for I bought it. a I bought the ten core, uh, which it was expensive. Uh, but I, I you know I'm, I'm editing a lot and so i thought yeah. you know if i can cut you know 20 percent of my time out of editing that's actually pretty significant right and, and i mean i think i have it bad with with just photos i mean adding video in is a whole nother element so man you i i agree 100 you absolutely need that because it can just kill your workflow too i mean having all those you know idle and and waiting and it ain't fun so that's that's gonna be awesome i i'm yeah, it, I'm it destroys productivity uh, yeah, when you're absolutely. when you wait for a computer because you're waiting. You just say, "Okay, I'm just gonna wait 20 seconds," and then you're like, "Okay, this is taking too long. I'm gonna go hop over to email or you do something else." Yeah, yeah and then you're exactly. on that for five minutes, and then you come back to the video, and it's been sitting idle for four minutes now. And then you touch another thing, and it's waiting, and so you're like, yeah. "I'm just gonna go do this," and it ends up taking all day to edit this one hour video. <laughs> Yeah, uh, for sure. Not, not even one hour. That would take all day. But even a 10-minute video it can take forever if you're doing that. Yeah, and that actually is ha- – I mean, that's why I like the method I use for editing so much because, I mean, before I'd be – I have an image open in Photoshop and, you know, I'd have – at this point I'd have, you know, 10, 15 layers open and I'm maybe I'm loading a luminosity selection or something like that and I'm waiting like – two minutes because my computer just is that slow then maybe i like pop open lightroom and i look at some other images or I, i'm looking online and at that point i'm like well i don't even know i was making that selection anymore and mm-hmm. it's yep. uh I, I just i'm all in favor of of doing things faster and uh i, I that's why i like this this method of kind of quote-unquote painting so much because i can do it faster and i can you know i can blend another big one is i can blend the adjustments that i want i i love i love that that's huge for me yeah uh, yeah i really do like that uh we talked before the the call started uh, about something that i think both of us do is making an edit you know going crazy on on whatever things you want to do on it and then just blending it you know kind of uh, not even blending it, changing the opacity of that layer and m- mixing it with the original, but just painting in portions of that maybe overdone layer onto the original. Yeah. Uh, I, I really Absolutely. love the look of that. Yeah, and you bring up a good point too because a lot of the times I'm using that duplicate to paint on the original, that duplicate really does look overdone. I mean, it looks... If you would look at it, you would think, I have no idea what he's using that file for. But that, that brings up another good point because the key to this kind of style is using very low opacity. So I, the, the color adjustments and brightness and things like that that I make to the image that I'm, I'm painting from, so on the duplicate, it, it just looks wild. But then when I'm using you know, a really soft brush at like five or ten percent it's just very it's very subtle and i'm just working it in really slowly and um this kind of got me on another thing but this is a 
a good thing that I've I've learned is you can never you know, let's say you have a vision for your final image when you're processing, you can never achieve that in just one adjustment or one or two straightforward adjustments and seams. It's always this process of building up to it. So I've, I've found that as I've kind of got more uh, in tune with this, I'm making, before I would, I would make an adjustment and it would just be way overdone and I'd paint it on really heavy and for a second, I'd be like, well, that looks awesome. And now I'm finding myself, I'm, I'm just using these really low opacity brushes. I'm painting on very small amounts and just taking it slow, you know, painting on a little and saying, you know, how does that look? Because, you know, I, I know, you know, a lot of my images, yeah, they're, they're colorful and, you know, they look, they look more like a painting and stuff like that. But I'm still trying to achieve this, like, you know, this natural look, like, you know, you could be there you know, looking at the scene and that's what the viewer feels. So I'm just trying to do things very in, in a subtle way. And I think, I really think starting at a low opacity and using those big brushes has, uh, well, not so much big brushes, but soft brushes has really helped a lot. Well, I, it's been awesome to talk to you and, and hear some of your techniques and the things that you're learning in photography. Um, in every episode, we share a doodad of the week, and I forgot to warn you of this before we began. Um, yep. But what is what is a piece of gear that you uh, find is, is essential uh, to, to helping you make what you're doing? Yeah, that's all right. And I, uh, I picked up on this from, from some of your other episodes. But... Um, yeah, it's kind of a running theme we got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I will say I love uh, I love my really right stuff tripod, but honestly, for me, it's uh, it's neoprene socks or waders. Like they have changed my life, and I'm not even over exaggerating. Wow, I mean, um, if, if neoprene socks can change your life, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so even when I'm when I'm shooting seascapes or any, I love shooting moving water. So even when I was just I was just in Banff and it was freezing up there. I mean, there was a lot of snow and I, I was there in mid October, but it was still very cold. And I found some awesome streams and some lakes that I just wanted to check out. And I just throw those on and I can just you know sit in a stream or a river for you know, 45 minutes during sunrise and I'm, I'm fine. And it's, it's really huge to me because it opens up compositions, you know, that you really, you know, you can't, if you're not, if you don't have neoprene socks or waders, you're not going to be, you know, sitting in this glacier fed stream kind of taking pictures. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been huge for me. And even in like the Columbia river gorge, you just throw in neoprene socks and you'll be comfortable all day, you know, hiking around in water. So they are, uh, they always find a way into my, my travel bag, no matter what. Because I'll never know when I need them. Very cool. And my doodad this week is going to be the iMac Pro. Uh, it, oh, it's yeah. definitely not something that uh, I would recommend for hardly any photographers, really. Um, it, it, for post-processing photos, this is just so far overkill. Uh, but if you are doing things with video, uh, it starts to make a lot more sense. Or, like we talked about in, let's see, was that the last episode? Was, I think it was the last episode where we talked about, you know, 3D modeling and stuff. Ooh, 3D modeling, that'll push your computer for sure. Um, so 
so I got the iMac Pro. I'm, I'm really excited for it. I thought about waiting for the Mac Pro that comes out next year, the new one, um, that's supposed to be modular, even though we aren't quite sure what that means. Uh, people are <laughs> hoping that means user upgradable, but that doesn't sound very Apple-like at all. Um, so I, I decided just to get this one because, frankly... I, I think even if it were user upgradable, I, I doubtfully would anyway. Uh, I, I'm not great at building computers and stuff, uh, picking all the right parts to work and uh, the very best and stuff. So I'm probably just going to go with Apple's recommendation anyway. Um, I hope that's not something I regret, uh, but, but I am looking forward to seeing how it does. So far, the reviews look, look pretty great for, for working with video on it. I think you're going to love it. I hope so, because ouch. <laughs> ouch, that hurt. <laughs> that's all right. Hey, you got to invest in what you're passionate about and what your hobbies are. So yeah, there's, that's there's, right. That's, that's can't my say anything bad about that. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Before you take off uh, today, Matt, uh, where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm redesigning my website right now, but uh, Instagram, it's at Matty Mize, and uh I post on 500px2, and it's that same handle. Very cool. Well, I encourage everybody to go check you out. Thanks for being on the show. Bye. Thanks, Jim. I really appreciate it. 